Welcome to the Strength of Mind podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Ellis, and I want to thank you for joining me today. Strength of Mind is a community that empowers people to become the best versions of themselves and promotes a positive message during a turbulent time. Today, I'm joined by Taylor Staden, who is a mental performance consultant, Canadian Sports Psychology Association student member, and he's helped athletes and teams across sports like ice hockey, swimming, volleyball, and more to improve on their mental performance and well-being. He is passionate about applied sports psychology and helping athletes maximize their mindset through proactive mental training. I hope you enjoy as much as I did conducting it. Taylor, I'd just like to thank you for joining the Strength of Mind podcast this evening here in Scotland. Um, I just want to thank you a lot for your time. Yeah, no, thank you, Gavin, for having me. It's it's always a pleasure and it's incredible what social media can do, right? Like you're in Scotland, I'm in Canada. So it's, uh, it's awesome to be able to connect with you, Gavin. I'm really looking forward to today. Well, thanks a lot. And can you just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. So um, I'm sure you know, my name is Taylor Staden. Uh, I'm currently a master's student um, in sport and exercise psychology and sports science at the University of Thessaly in Greece, as well as Leipzig University in Germany. Um, I have an undergraduate degree in sports psychology from Laurentian University. And I've been working with athletes um, on their mental skills for almost two years now. So I have a bit of experience and I've, uh, I've loved just about every step of the way. So um, yeah, that's really um, me in a nutshell. Now, I think I probably know the answer to this, but in terms of the mental state of an athlete, um, how important do you feel that is? Whew. I mean, if I didn't feel like it was important, I probably wouldn't be pursuing a career in it, would I? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. no, I, 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 I kid. Um, it's obviously incredibly important. Um, I mean, the, the relationship between y- your mind and your body is, is definitely there. So any way that you can try to um, harness that power and try to find other ways to, to improve yourself um, is, is obviously really important to me. So um, when I think about the mental game, quote unquote, um, and you, you talk to athletes and individuals and everybody will give you a different answer when you ask them, you know, what percentage of sport uh, or your performance do you think is mental? Some may say 1%, 90%, 50%, but I've never had somebody tell me zero. Mm. So the way I always frame it is, okay, so if someone's really trying to be the best they can be and they're, they're trying to find ways to improve, no matter how much you think it's, it, it's allocated towards your performance, um, you know, it's, it's there as a tool and a resource for you to, to use as a means of improving. So um, I definitely believe that, you know, the mental side of sport is important, but, um, you know, it's, I think even in addition now, when you think about all the physical skills that athletes can carry out, when you go to the pro level, what I find is a lot of athletes have similar physical capabilities Um, but really what separates the good from the great is the ability to perform under pressure, to have those skills, um, come out fluidly during those tense situations and when it matters most. Um, and a lot of that falls on mental skills and the, you know, the quote unquote mental game. So, um, I definitely think that the mental side of sport is, is important. And you speak as well, um, 
on your Instagram page, I've noticed as well, which I can make sure viewers can get access to at the end of this. You speak about um, developing confidence and resilience, the sort of mental factors that impact performance. Is that easy to be able to develop confidence and resilience? You know, that's a great question. Um, I think I think it's something that is very individualistic to the person. Um, but our confidence, we want to start with confidence. Our confidence can be built in many different ways. Um, so when I think of confidence, I think of Albert Bandura's self-efficacy theory which proposes that there's four main sources of the way we develop our confidence. And the strongest source of that is our mastery experiences being times in the past where we've, um, where we've experienced some sort of success. Um, so let's say, let's say you want, you want to improve your confidence in running, right? You might think of some times in the past where you've successfully run a kilometer or a couple of kilometers, whatever it may be. Um, and then as you go through it, there's also the idea of um, vicarious experience. So watching someone else do it, right, that can give you confidence, um, as well as the social persuasion. So that's just kind of like the idea of people motivating you, you can, people telling you you can do it um, in a nutshell, obviously. And then the last part is actually physiological and effective states, um, which really is more about how you how you feel. Um, and, and how you think about certain activities. So um, let's say you're, you're exercising and you're trying to improve your, um, your, your cardiovascular health. You might notice that although maybe you're not losing weight or whatever it may be, you may notice that maybe you have a better mood from exercising. You may feel as if you have a lower resting heart rate, for example, which are other small sources of how you can pull confidence from your process. So um, I think that building an athlete's confidence is not a, necessarily an easy task, um, but it can definitely be streamlined by understanding a lot of these theories and knowing how to apply them. Um, so that's for confidence. And then resiliency, I think, I think a big part of resiliency is just leveraging your preparation, right? Time is one of the few things or few aspects of, of our performance rather that we have quite a bit of control over. So by taking advantage of our preparation, that can help us become more resilient because let's say we've taken the time to think of strategies for how we wanna act um, if certain adversities uh, present themselves, right? So when we think of, uh, let's say someone goal setting, it's really, really easy for someone to set a goal, but a lot of the times uh, these people don't know how to manage some of these foreseeable adversities if they do present themselves. So when you do a goal setting process, for example, one of the ways that you can improve someone's resiliency is through actually helping them figure out how they want to respond if certain adversities do present themselves. Um, but yeah, so I, I again, long-winded way of saying, um, you know, they can be developed. Um, and, you know, that's why me and you, I'm sure, do the work we do. Um, but it's not necessarily always an, an easy process. For sure. And I liked on that fourth method when you were talking about confidence, how that progress, how that evidence of success of what it is that we're doing can actually help us build momentum. And when we begin to experience, you know, positive momentum, this, this is the outcome of, of the hard work I'm putting in. This is the outcome of what it is I'm trying to achieve. And we can see the benefits of it then I can, I can actually understand by what you're saying that confidence can grow. 
And in that second section as well, when you're talking about adversity, it leads me really nicely on to the next question. Have you personally experienced a setback or adversity and how did you overcome it? Mm, well, I think, I think a lot of us go through adversity in our lives. It really just depends how frequently and, and to what, to what degree. Mm. Um, but I mean, when I think of some of the adversities that I had growing up, um, for me, it would have probably just been concussions. Um, it's something that I've had to, uh, I've had to battle through, you know, playing, playing sport growing up. I played ice hockey, um, which obviously is probably one of the worst sports for concussion susceptibility. So, um, so for me, um, I wouldn't say necess- I, I didn't by no means had a, had a hard upbringing. Um, you know, I was, I'm very, I'm a very fortunate person in that way, but, um, when I think of some of the adversities I experienced, uh, concussions would definitely be something that, um, that comes to mind. Uh, no, no pun intended. <laughs> and how did you overcome that then? Cause obviously concussions are quite serious. And I mean, ice hockey, I've, I've experienced a little bit when I traveled actually to Canada myself, although I was on a rugby oh, right team. And uh, a lot of these rugby guys were actually ice hockey players. And, and you could always tell who the ice hockey players were in the rugby team because they would just run at you. You know, there was no, <laughs> there was no fear. They weren't too bothered about trying to get around you. They were like, I'm going to go at you and I'm going to go through you. So I can totally yeah. <laughs> understand where this concussion comes from. So how did you manage to, to adapt or overcome or work with that? I mean, what did you do? I think a big part of it is just acceptance. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's tough because obviously when something happens, it, it's happened. You, you can't change the past. Um, all you can do is learn to accept and adapt um, to, for what it is. So, um, you know, I think one of the frustrating parts about concussions from my experience is that, I'm sorry, is that um, the more concussions you get, the more likely you are and more susceptible you are to get another concussion. Um, which becomes very frustrating because, you know, if I think of the first time I got a concussion, which was, would have been in elementary school, um, that took a lot more for me to get one opposed to another time where I, you know, I just had did something minor and it resulted me in in getting uh, a concussion. So I think a big part of that, um, one of the most challenging parts in that is accepting it for what it is. Um, but once you learn to accept something, um, it's a lot easier to move past it and, and to move forward because, you know, you could sit there and you could, you know, feel sorry for yourself or just, you know, kind of think, why me? Um, you know, and we all go through that sometimes. But at the end of the day, um, knowing, learning how to adapt and to live with it um, and to, again, to accept it for what it is, is, is important in, in my eyes. Yeah, I totally agree about that sense of acceptance because we see so many people or we've probably done it ourselves. You know, I know I'm a victim of that as well as as just not admitting or not accepting that actually something is a problem and not really taking ownership of it. And I think if someone was to have experience, you know, an athlete or an individual came to you and they'd uh, experienced a, a significant confidence knock, what would be some of the advice that you would give them? Hmm in confidence in what's in, in what sense so it could be an injury 
it may well be that they that they've come from an injury, whether it's within ice hockey or within any type of sport, and they actually they're they're struggling with their mental game to get back maybe to the level that they were at pre-injury. They've got that fear at the front of their mind. Um, so let's go with that example first. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Injury psych isn't my specialty, but I'll I'll I'll, I'll take a jab at it here. So, um, one strategy actually that I've heard when it comes to helping an athlete come back from injury is that um again when we go we go back to acceptance you think about how challenging it would be for an athlete to have that sport and that competition stripped away from them because now they're injured and they're likely not competing right so they're they're sidelined when you think about it you kind of want to frame in a way of make rehabilitation your new sport right really hone in on that process and focus on what you can control because ultimately you know, again, like feeling sorry for yourself and, you know, having that kind of, you know, why me, why me mindset mm. is not going to help you get back to your sport any faster, right? If anything, it's, it's making the process longer. So obviously it's easier said than done, but when you can shift your mindset into saying, okay, you know, this happened, you know, I have to learn to accept this and shift my focus to what I can control being, you know, doing the best um, in your rehab as you can do that in itself is going to help you get back to where you want to be faster. So one shifting the mindset and learning how to accept the injury and to become more process focused in that sense. Um, that's one of the things I would suggest for an athlete for their confidence, because again, when we go back to, let's say the self-efficacy theory we were talking about earlier, um, helping them develop some sort of mastery experience um, helps build their confidence. So although they might have high self-efficacy for their sport, they might not have high self-efficacy for injury rehabilitation, right? They've maybe never gone through an injury before in the past. So trying to find ways to help build their confidence in understanding their rehabilitation process um, and helping them understand that they can take control over this in to a certain degree, um, I, I think would be important. And would that be similar to the advice that you would give for someone who was maybe trying to go to the next level, they were trying to go pro or they were trying to reach a certain division standard, maybe college or whatever level that is, and they didn't quite make it. You know, they had all their hopes set on that. They had their dreams set, you know, that was their goal. And for some reason, they didn't make it. In that instance, would it be similar advice or would you offer something a bit different? In the sense of if they didn't, if they couldn't make it to the next level due to an injury, or just due to due to them, their ability, their circumstances at the time, you know, they didn't get picked. Let's just say, mm -hmm. and then their confidence was knocked dramatically after that. How should someone respond, um, in that situation? Mm -hmm. Okay, so if we think about an athlete who, let's say, yeah, like does doesn't make gets cut from a team or mm -hmm. doesn't make it to the last tryout or something, right? Um, I think, I think a big part of that is understanding where do you where do you pull to develop your self-worth right like how stable is your self-image so if you're going to have your self-worth dictated by something as like if you get cut or not or if you make a team or not you're suddenly allowing your self-worth to be outside of your control right because you you don't decide whether you make a team or not you don't get to choose what the coach thinks of you so the moment you allow your self-worth to be dictated 
by whether or not you make a team or not, you're setting yourself up for a lot of anxieties and, and a lot of adversities in that way. So instead, when we want to create a stable self-image, we want our confidence and we want our self-worth to be derived from things we can control, right? So you think about your process, you think about um, your commitment to your training, because Again, really, at the end of the day, it's, it's not up to you whether you make a team or not. But it is up to you on how well, again, when we talk about resiliency, how much did you leverage your preparation and time? Right? And then at the end of the day, if you can honestly say to yourself, I gave it my 100%. And I did every reasonable thing I could to give myself the best shot at success. Then that in itself is a win, right? you not making a team isn't a failure in that way, but rather it's actually a win because you know that you did everything in your ability to prepare. And again, as much as it might sound kind of um, like easy to say, at the end of the day, that's all you can do. So I, I think trying to make their, um, their confidence and self-image more stable through making it um, more within their control um, is, is important in that sense. So that would be my, my best advice. I love that answer there that you've just given, because I've you. seen so many people that I've worked with, whether it's in a sporting capacity or a professional capacity or in a relationship or with friendships where their identity is put on this one thing mm. and they give external forces or, or people power to be able to essentially dictate how they should feel about themselves. So for instance, if someone was to break up within a relationship, then that absolutely shatters them. And of course there is hurt and there's difficulty there. Or similarly, if someone wasn't to get a job and that's it, you know, they spiral off into this um, state of depression or, or kind of feeling low, or if they get cut from a team, these external factors are beginning to influence and dictate their life so much that they see their identity in that, in that one situation or in that one circumstance. And I love that point there about actually trying to get more grounded, trying to understand and trust the process, trying to understand yourself a little bit better to know that when we deal with these difficult situations, we can build some resilience to get through it. Yeah, hundred percent. I, th I think you brought up some good points there. Like if you think about it, there are times where let's say you, let's talk about a sprinter, for example, a sprinter could have their absolute best performance. They could, they could run incredibly well and still not get, get first place. But does that, does that mean they ran poorly? Does that mean they shouldn't be proud of the fact that they just set a personal best? No, they, they, they did incredible in that sense where they set a personal best. So again, like at, at, in the same, at the same time, you could have your worst performance ever, right? We've all seen it. You know, you said you're a, a rugby fan, like I'm an ice hockey fan. I'm sure we've both, wa we've both watched matches where our favorite team played horrible, but they still somehow managed to win. Does that mean they played well? No, right? <laughs> There's so many external and random factors that go into um, an outcome, right? That, you know, if, and if, if it results in us overlooking what we actually can control and, and do, then again, it just ma makes our, it, it makes it out of our control, right? So definitely shifting yourself away from that win loss kind of mindset. And, and again, bringing it more internal and more process focused. Um, it'll not only help you 
uh, have a better shot at winning because you're focusing and you're doing the things within your control to improve your performance, but it'll also make your confidence and self-image more stable because you're deriving it from things within your control and things you've actually done yourself. For sure, for sure. And actually, if we can take it a step further and think that when things go wrong, or when we're faced with difficulty, or when we get a perceived loss, whether it's within a game or within a life situation or a circumstance, that that is the time that we can experience ultimate growth. And how do we respond to that situation, that circumstance, getting cut from a team, being involved in a breakup, dealing with something which is, which is incredibly difficult, or that adversity that we've spoken about before? That actually, if we can take a second... And, and as you said, accept what's happened, take ownership of it, and then actually begin to say, you know, there will be a positive from this in the long run. There will be, there will be something good that I can actually get from this perceived failure or this difficult situation that I'm faced with right now. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think the, the kind of process you, you mentioned there, it, it reminds me a lot of the power of self-reflection right? Because a lot of the time, if we don't take the, the time to self-reflect, it's going to be really difficult for us to learn especially when it comes to something um, that maybe is filled with a lot of adversity that we really don't want to have to think about more than we, we have to. Um, so taking the time to reflect on not only our shortcomings, but also our successes can allow us to better understand the process of what it is we have to do to, to get those outcomes that we, that we want, as well as allowing us to learn from, um, from the adversities um, which I think is is really important. How often do you think someone should be self-reflecting, self-evaluating? Do you think someone who's top of their game, are they doing that cons- like constantly? They're thinking about what's going well here, what's not going well here, what could I do differently? You know, talk, talk to me a little bit more about the power of that because I do think it's a really important point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think self-reflection is something that has to be done uh, consistently. Um, again, it's, it's not just something that's done when you have a really poor performance. Um, it's something that has to be done consistently. Um, so when you think of somebody who's trying to be the absolute best version of themselves that they can be, um, you know, they should be self-reflecting after every performance. Um, and self-reflection doesn't have to be this big elaborate process. It really rarely isn't. Um, but self-reflection can just be something as simple as what went well, what could have been better, and what are the steps I have to take to get the good more consistently? Really, it doesn't have to be anything long. It, it should only really take you a few minutes um, after a game or a practice or a training session, you know, you name it. Um, and it's one of our best tools we have for um, increasing self-awareness, um, as well as, again, it can help uh, improve confidence as well. Um, because now, let's say we had in uh, a bad game, you know, we might feel as if, oh, like that, that wasn't a good game and your confidence might get uh, shot a little bit. But if you take the time to self-reflect and really break it down, um, it can actually give you some actionable steps on how you can now move forward. So now you don't, you're less likely to maybe have those, um, those uh, unpleasant outcomes again, which can help improve your self-efficacy for overcoming barriers and challenges. Um, so yeah, no, self-reflection is definitely incredibly important and you're never, you're never too good to, to not utilize mental skills. And I think as well, even for coaches and individuals like ourselves who want to work with athletes or individuals, 
there's a there's a need there and a, and a consistent need as well to be able to reflect on our practice you know are we ensuring that we're getting the best out of that athlete how did this session go with them what could we do differently in future to maximize their mindset i know that's your tagline which i love on yeah on instagram so if, if someone sat here thinking maximize my mindset and i know that could maybe be a long answer but what would you give to someone who's thinking yeah i, I want to maximize my mindset or i, I want to take my psychological game to the next level what advice would you give them <laughs> oh big question um you know, I, I think I think it's very individualistic where uh, the mental skills that athletes work on and in, in individuals in that sense, um, you know, what may work really well for one person may not work well for another. So when I think about maximizing uh, your mind, your mindset, um, I think about someone who is process focused. Um, and, and again, falling back when we talk about when it comes to resiliency, I think it's about somebody who is proactive um, with their mental training. So, um, so when we think about being proactive with our mental training, um, we don't resilient athletes and, and, and whatnot, they don't wait until there's a problem to, to do something right. The athletes who are prepared and athletes who are resilient oftentimes are the ones who prepare and, uh, get things done before the necessary need for it to be is there. Mm -hmm. So when you think about mental skills and developing your quote unquote mental game, wouldn't it make a lot more sense to be proactive with it and learn these things ahead of time? So in that way, you're less likely to have these adverse events because you don't know how to handle them, right? Like it, it just, it just makes sense in that way because now instead of waiting for that, for something bad to happen, you can instead be proactive, which is going to help you increase your performance, but also help increase your sense of control and resiliency because maybe you now better understand and foresee potential adversities um, in, in your performance. Um, so definitely when I think of someone who wants to, you know, hashtag maximize your mindset um, in, in that way, I think about somebody who is proactive with their mental training, for sure, and process focused, obviously. Absolutely. Really important, proactive rather than reactive. So that when yes. a difficult situation arises, they're like, right, actually, you know, I've been doing the training here. I know how I can respond in more of a calm, measured manner than it being a little bit frantic and panicky. Yeah, for sure. Now, Taylor, um, I'm, I'm inspired by listening to you. Um, and I want to thank you again for your time. But if someone's listening to this and they're like, listen, I, I need to know more about what Taylor can do for me. And I would love to maximize my mindset, take my psychological game to the next level. How can they find you? And uh, what, is, like, what is it specifically that you could offer them? Yeah, um, well, before that, Gavin, I appreciate you um, asking me to come on your podcast. It's, it's always nice to connect with, um, with other people. And I, I appreciate you, um, you wanting to have me on. So firstly, thank you for that. Um, but if there's listeners out there who want to connect with me and learn more about what I'm up to, um, you can find me on Instagram at Taylor Staden. That's at T-A-Y-L-O-R-S-T-A-D-E-N. Um, that's the same for Twitter as well. Um, as well as you mentioned earlier, I, I do run my own podcast. Um, it's called Mental Dive. Um, I'm very, very fortunate to have the opportunity to talk to a bunch of individuals about um, sports psychology and mental performance. Um, I've and again, I've been fortunate to have a lot of pro athletes and some incredible practitioners and others on my podcast to share their perspectives and stories. So definitely check me out, Mental Dive Podcast. Um, and in terms of what I could offer, um, I mean, 
I, I do deliver team workshops presently. So if you, if you're a, a manager or a, or a coach and you'd like me to present on a certain topic, we can definitely talk about that as well as feel free to reach out for one-on-one coaching um, to help you maximize your mindset as we've talked about. So um, yeah, though, that's what I would say to that. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I'm your host, Gavin Ellis. And if you enjoyed it, please share it with someone that you know and love or leave me a review. I appreciate you and I hope you have a fantastic day.